Amen. We're, we're going to continue along the path we began a few weeks ago, uh, teaching about the fruits of the Spirit and uh, along, the, on the, along the line that we've been teaching the last several weeks. And uh, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 through 23. Amen. You may have it memorized, uh, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And we've began this series of studies teaching up, uh, in consecutive order as it's written in the word of the Lord. We've taught about love, and joy, and peace, and long-suffering. And tonight we're going to talk about the uh, the word there that is gentleness, gentleness. And if you'd skip over in your Bible to the book of Colossians, chapter number three, and verse number twelve. Colossians chapter three and verse twelve. Amen. I want to encourage everyone to bring their Bibles to the house of the Lord. And uh, that should be something that we, as we get ready to come to church, we pick up our Bible and come to the house of the Lord. Uh, you can call it old school, old fashioned, but it's still a good thing, amen, to have the word of the Lord with you. Uh, I am a proponent of technology. I have up here my iPad. Uh, however, if I try to read my Bible on my iPad or try to read it on my phone, I am getting notifications every few seconds, and I am distracted. And so it's important, amen, to just bring our Bibles with us to the house of the Lord and have that with us. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 12, it says, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering." Verse 13 says, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And we're going to read one more verse. And let the, let the, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which... Also, ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. But we're going to be focusing tonight on that word that is called gentleness. Could you say that with me tonight? Gentleness. Amen. Gentleness. God bless you. Can't be seated here tonight. And uh, thank you for standing and worshiping the Lord with us. Amen. We oftentimes, we, we make the church service what it is, and we make the church what it is. Amen. Our participation in worshiping the Lord, our participation in giving unto the Lord and, and serving the Lord makes the church what it is. And I thank you for for being here tonight. Amen. There is no better place we could be than in the house of the Lord. There are many times, perhaps, as you uh, approach Wednesday night and even Sunday morning, that it would be easy to uh, to stay home. To do something else. Uh, and even even then you may push yourself and you come to church. And your flesh doesn't want to pray. Your flesh doesn't want to live for God sometimes. Doesn't want to serve the Lord. Do what's right. Uh, but I can't tell you the strength I get when I come to church. And I cross the church. I hear a brother Paul praying. Or, or I hear a sister Dee lifting up her voice. Uh, or, or, I, or I look across the aisle and I, and I see uh, Sister Janet with tears down her, down her cheeks and the Lord touching her. Well, I may be going through something and I see somebody else touching God, breaking through. I realize, you know what? Maybe I'm just going through something. But God is still good. He is still sweet. He hasn't changed. And there is a strength that I receive. There is a strength that you receive when you when we come to the house of the Lord uh, and we're faithful uh, 
And you, we can't say enough tonight about faithfulness. The Bible says, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And I'm not teaching about faithfulness tonight. These are just some things that are my my heart, my mind right now. Um, but as we model faithfulness to the things of God, amen, it is my belief that there are others that watch that faithfulness. There's, there's a granddaughter that's watching a brother, Lorenzo Reyes, tonight. There's a granddaughter that's watching Sister Camarina tonight. There, there's, there's kids that are watching Sister Felicia tonight. And, and, and there, there's people that are watching us, and they see faithfulness modeled in their families' lives. And it lets them know, I can live for the Lord. I can overcome insurmountable obstacles and, and uh, come up against... Uh, when the odds are against me, I can make it. I can live for God. I can be faithful. Uh, if we were to ask several individuals in this place, has life been a bed of roses? You would be the first to tell the church, no, it hasn't been a bed of roses. But God's been faithful. And God's made a way. And God has kept his hand upon my life. And I'm thankful tonight for the testimonies that are in this place tonight. Amen. I... Uh, I'm only 38 and there's several in this church that have been living for God longer than I've been alive and, and they are models and examples for me and for, for all of us uh, talking about gentleness tonight the aspect of gentleness can be a very challenging one uh, to instill and manifest in our lives a quick look at gentleness without an in-depth understanding can actually be very misleading as to its value. Gentleness is actually defined by several other words such as benevolence, uh, such as kindness, such as meekness. Uh, and the most accurate definition relating to the fruit of the spirit uh, is excellence in character or demeanor. Uh, having a character that is of an excellent nature and disposition Excellence, that word, is the highest level attainable. Uh, you can read books. Uh, I forget. His name is Collins, his last name. And he wrote a book called From Good to Great. And you can read that and figure out what steps you need to take to move from where you are to where you want to be to go from uh, good uh, to great. And we know that good is the enemy of great. And all these things. But excellence is a higher level that we can reach for. We can attain. And let me stop and say right here that Abundant Life Center should be a church of excellence. Amen. What we do around here should be done with excellence and not haphazard. Excellence uh, is the highest level attainable. And in our relationship, uh, God expects and God demands excellence. God is looking for people that will serve him with excellence. He is not just looking for the acceptable or the minimum requirements, but he is looking for excellence. And gentleness in our Christian walk with the Lord is how we express ourselves to those around us. We need to always be aware of the words of the Apostle Paul when he said, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, do we begin again to commend ourselves or do we, as some others epistles of commendation to your letters of commendation from you, ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. I'm going to say that again. Ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. In essence, the writer in 2 Corinthians was stating that our actions precede us. Amen. And we are known by those actions. The actions that we uh, take in our lives, we can uh, say certain things, but if our actions uh, don't match what we're saying, there, there is a disconnect. And the writer in 2 Corinthians is stating that we are epistles known and read of all men. People can look 
at us and they can easily and quickly decipher and determine if somebody is downcast and or even depressed they can look at somebody and say uh well you know you come to church and it seems like you're praying but when you leave the church you, you still got all these uh strife and, and issues and and and, de- and and all these things that you're struggling with and it doesn't seem to match and the writer is saying Amen. That our actions give away our position. They give away the type of people and persons that we are. There is a necessity for gentleness. In order for us to correctly manifest gentleness, we must understand first the need for it in our lives. Throughout the scripture, we find instruction concerning our integrity of character and how we treat other people. We begin by realizing that gentleness in Romans chapter 8 is a work of the Spirit. Uh, it is in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 4 through 5. It states that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are, of, they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. And if left to the desires of our flesh, we would not act with gentleness. Uh, If we uh, were ruled constantly by our flesh and not spirit filled and allowing the spirit of God to lead us and to guide us, we could not live with that gentleness that that is a, a fruit of the spirit. But rather we would always respond and react from personal selfish motives. Uh. If we do not have the Spirit of God and it's not, we're not allowing it to work in our lives and to manifest uh, the, its fruit in our lives, we will always respond and react from personal and selfish motives. Yeah. Uh, always from this particular point of view that I am offended and, and, and all of the different things that go along with uh, things that are not gentle. Uh, but once we have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, And we make a big deal about it here in Abundant Life Center. Uh, We make a big deal about the Holy Ghost and being filled with the Holy Ghost. And once we have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, there is a transformation that takes place in a person's life. Amen. God does not uh, leave us the way that he finds us. When God sets out to work in our lives, and God fills us with His Spirit. And if we allow the Spirit of God to work in our lives and to, and to bring things to pass and to bring things to fruition in our lives, amen, there will be a marked and noticeable change. We no longer will uh, mind or fulfill the desires and the things of the flesh, but instead we begin to respond as the Spirit would have us to respond. Amen. A person that truly has allowed the Spirit of God to work in their lives and is stayed filled with the Spirit of God. Amen. When we read in Galatians, I think it was chapter 4, 5, uh, verse 22 to 23 about the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness. Those things begin to become a byproduct. They begin to become uh, manifested on the branches of our lives. Amen. The fruit of the Spirit. Amen. I begin to wonder sometimes. I look at people and and they, they, they claim to have the Holy Ghost. And they, they look so sad and they look so depressed and they can't lift up their eyes. Amen. There's, they're, 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 I, I really wonder if the Spirit of God has, allowed, has been allowed to work in that person's life and, yeah. and through their life. And when they're, when, when they're the people uh, uh, that are not allowing the Holy Ghost to work in their lives, they can lash out and, and attempt to defend themselves and attempt to, to react and to respond to what's happened. But when the Spirit of God works in a person's life, amen, you can have the disposition and the response of our Lord Jesus. The Bible says that on the cross of Calvary that they they pulled the, the hairs of his off his face that they, they pierced him in his side and then they stripped him of his garments and they did all of these things and they put a crown of thorns upon his head and not one time as they spit upon him did the Lord spit back upon the people not one time did the Lord look at him uh, with a spirit of 
spite or hatred or malice. Not one time they look at them and say, well, I can't believe they did that to me. Uh, but on the contrary, what Jesus did on the cross was he prayed for them. And he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. He didn't yell at the people. He did not respond and react like many of us do in different situations. But he prayed, God, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And he loved them still. He loved them. He didn't hold a grudge. There's a, there's, there are people in the world that say, well, the, the Jews are being punished uh, because they said, let his blood be upon us. And so therefore we ought to punish the Jews. And there's anti-Semitism, uh, things that come up in, the, in, in society. Uh, that's not correct. Amen. We're, Jesus still loves the Jews. Yeah. There's still a love in his heart. And just like you and I have done things that have offended the Lord and have have gone uh, against the will of God, he still loves us. But sometimes in our lives, people do us wrong when they say things about us. We don't like it. Uh, We we begin to pull back into our shell and try to defend ourselves. But Jesus kept his arms spread out across and stayed, kept himself vulnerable and said, I'm just going to open my arms and I'm going to love the world and reach for the world with a gentle spirit that this world has never seen before. And that is not something that is for a one and done thing. Amen. But that is something that you and I can have and one day will have in our lives if we allow the spirit of God to work in us. Can I remind you tonight that it was in the first century church that the apostles were, the Bible says, fed to the lions. They were in the stadium and Nero would uh, persecute the Christians. He would put the Christians in the middle of the stadium, in the middle of the stadium. And the lions would be released and to lash and to eat up the Christians. And it happened like that. And the Bible says that uh, we, we know from history as well that there was great revival that began to sweep up as, as the enemy tried to persecute and to kill off uh, those that had faith in God and Jesus. Uh, there was a revival that began to spread up because everybody else in that stadium looked at those Christians and said, why are they responding the way that they're responding? Why are they being gentle? Why are they taking it and turning the other cheek? They must have something that I don't have. And in our lives, people look at us and they say, how did you deal with that? How did you go through that? How did you make it through? And they see something that they haven't seen anywhere else. They see in your life, Jesus Christ. They see, hey, you didn't lash out and respond you didn't you didn't hunker down into your little uh, shell and, and, and say woe is me but you, you, you stayed sweet and you stayed gentle and you stayed kind it's a work it's a fruit of the spirit the New Testament teaching of gentleness with others has an Old Testament foundation when the herdsmen of Abraham and the herdsmen of Lot began contending for the best grazing ground, Abram approached the situation with gentleness. That father of faith, that man we call Abraham, or back then at this particular juncture, it was Abram. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 13, And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen. For we be brethren, we are brothers, we are the same family. There shouldn't be strife in our family. And he said, it's not the whole land before thee. And the gentle aspect, the gentle characteristic of Abram said to Lot, go ahead, Lot. I know we've got disputes. We shouldn't have disputes, but Lot, I'm going to give you the first opportunity opportunity to choose a, a new land. You can choose the best land you want. You choose whatever you want. I'll go the opposite direction. 
Abram didn't come at Lot and begin fighting with them and say, well, you know, we, we don't need to be doing it like that. We, uh, and begin to rebuke him and to, and to correct him and, and to come at Lot. But, but Abram gently came before Lot and said, there, there shouldn't be strife. Lot, I'm going to give you the opportunity to have the first choice. Whatever you choose, I'll go the opposite direction. And the Bible says that through the process of time that God blessed the decision of Abram. Abram, as the elder, had the right to choose the land that he wanted. He had every right, according to the law, to choose the land that he wanted. But he forfeited those rights in, in, for, for the sake of uh, unity, for the sake of gentleness with his nephew, Lot. He had the rights, uh, but he, he relinquished the right. And there has to be in our lives a relinquishing. I don't have to be right all the time, but I can uh, allow there to be unity. And I can work together with my brother, with my sister, with those in the church and those outside of the church. The things that we deal with in the church, the way in which we deal with things in the church are applicable outside of the church as well. There's going to be a never-ending supply of people that don't agree with you. There's going to be a never-ending supply of people that don't like you. There's going to be a never-ending supply of people that, that hate your guts. And the sooner we learn to deal with adverse situations and problems, the better off we'll be and we'll begin to rise above all of the strife. And Abram, what he did as he relinquished the right uh, to be on the right, to take the authority and to set the direction, he relinquished the right. He rose above the strife and God blessed Abram and all that Abram did. And the Bible says that he was a very, very wealthy man, a very, very blessed man. However, in order to avoid to avoid that strife, he practiced gentleness and was blessed for it. We can look at the life of the King David. When David ascended to the throne, there was nothing that required him to offer kindness to the household of his predecessor, King Saul. When King David took the throne, uh, he could have done whatever he wanted to do, and he would have been on the right side of the law. He could have killed off the entire household of Saul. Saul, the king that had persecuted him, that had ran after him, that had tried to kill him, that had, that had attempted murder on his life and thrown a javelin at him. And David, by the, by the grace of God, ducked and missed the javelin. And so many times David uh, escaped the, the jaws of death that was upon him from King Saul. And finally, when David reaches that place of authority and power on the throne, he has the ability to, to seek vengeance and, to, and to, uh, uh, to get vengeance and to get back for all the, the wrong things done to him by the household of Saul. Yeah. He had every right to banish any of Saul's lineage uh, from the palace, but David, who received the gentleness of God in his life, now extended that gentleness to Mephibosheth. And by doing so, he made Mephibosheth a faithful supporter of his leadership. David chose Mephibosheth, a descendant of Saul, and showed him mercy and said, No, you're going to eat at my table. You're going to eat the gold from the gold place settings. You're going to sit at my table. I'm going to take care of you for the rest of your life. I'm going to show you kindness, gentleness, mercy. He had every right to kill that man. To wipe off anybody that would try to usurp his throne, his leadership. And perhaps one of the greatest stories of gentleness is found in the book of Ruth. From beginning to end, we find gentleness portrayed again and again. Naomi, in encouraging her daughters-in-law to return to their homeland is showing her compassion and concern for their well-being. But Ruth, in the story that we read in the Bible, expressed a desire to stay with Naomi, showing an unselfish love. And Naomi's encouragement to uh, Ruth uh, to glean in the field of Boaz, again, expresses a kind spirit towards her daughter-in-law. And Boaz, the kinsman redeemer, a type of the Christ, in speaking to Ruth, uh, that one that had lost 
uh, that had lost her husband in the famine, he commended her, her gentle spirit towards Naomi. And he then expresses the same spirit towards Ruth when he agrees to become her kinsman redeemer. Throughout the story of Ruth, amen, as Ruth set out uh, with uh, her, her husband and they went to a new land, they left the place that God had intended for them to be. And the Bible says that the famine took uh, Naomi's husband and took Ruth's husband. And it was just Naomi and her daughters-in-law. The Bible says that uh, she said, you know, to her daughter-in-law, go ahead and go back to your homeland. Find a place. But something in the heart of Ruth said, your God's going to be my God. Your God's going to be my God. And you know what? I'm going to take care of you. I know it's a famine, but I'm going to take care of you. I know your son, my husband, died, but I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to go out there and work in the field. And her gentleness and her kindness that she exemplified in that situation came back to be a blessing to her life. And God rewarded that. And the Bible says from her loins, from her seed, came Jesus Christ through that, through that lineage Amen. because of actions and decisions that were made on her part. The book of Proverbs is full of instruction concerning the acts of gentleness. Proverbs 15 and 1 says, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Amen. And we have to learn how to communicate in a way, amen, that will diffuse situations. There is a way to approach uh, adverse situations. Uh, One of the very difficult things to do, Brother Lorenzo, is to step into uh, a disagreement between two parties and help to bridge them together, not to attack either one of them or lash out, but to say, I understand your side, I understand your side. Maybe we can have some sort of agreement, and there's a gentleness. And there, there's something that we have to learn as children of God. The Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. Not the strife makers, the peacemakers. Can you make peace in your world? Can you bridge the gap between two disagreeing parties. Proverbs chapter 3 and 27 says, Withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. Amen. If you have the ability to be a blessing or to be a help and it's in your power to do it, don't hold back from that ability, but be a blesser. Give to somebody. Use that power for good that's in your hand. Proverbs 14 and 21 says, He that despiseth his neighbor sinneth. He that despiseth his neighbor sinneth. But he that hath mercy on the poor, happy is he. That's talking about an issue of our hearts. We should look at anybody else in the church and say, I don't like that person. There ought to be a sense of connectedness, a sense of love and gentleness in the church of the Most High God. Proverbs 15, 18 says, A wrathful man stirreth up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. A wrathful man or woman, a wrathful person stirs up strife. I don't want to be a person that brings about strife in my world. I don't want to be a person that someone looks at and says, there there goes drama on two legs walking down the street. I don't want to be that kind of person. I don't want someone to say, well, just stay away from him because, man, he's angry. And you're going to get into an argument. He's full of strife. And, and you you know, don't get too close to that person because of their drama. I don't want to be known as that. And I don't think the people of God should be known as that type of people. But he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. Don't be so quick to be offended. Don't be so quick to be angry. 
The Bible talks about long-suffering and patience and, and gentleness and, and love and all of these things. Don't be someone that's so quickly and easily angered and, and easily bothered and easily offended. But if the Holy Ghost has been allowed to work in your life, like the Lord, He's our example. I don't know if I, I don't, I don't I'm sure I don't measure up yet, Brother Lorenzo, to what the Lord was like. I'm sure if somebody spit in my face today, I'd have a hard time. Amen. I'd have a hard time. If somebody ripped my clothes off and embarrassed me, I'd have a hard time saying, God, forgive them. My pastor has told me, you haven't forgiven someone. You haven't fully forgiven someone. Until you can pray for them with tears. That God would bless them. That God would help them. You say, well, I've forgiven that person. That parent. That spouse. That sibling. That person. Can you pray for them with tears? Because when you pray for them with tears. You say, God, I want you to help them. They don't know how much they hurt me, God. But I'm praying, God, I want you to bless them. I want you to help them. I want you to be merciful to them. That is a heart of forgiveness and a heart of gentleness that says, God, I'm not going to hold it against them. I'm not going to hold it to their. I'm not going to hold it against them. Gentleness is developed since gentleness deals first of all with our approach to God. That is developed in humility towards God. When you consider it like David did, the greatness and the majesty of God. It is difficult, it is not difficult to be humble in His presence. When you get into the presence of the Lord, and I've done this many times, I've got into God's presence. And if I'm holding a grudge or if I'm bitter against somebody, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about the Lord, and I'm saying, God, they hurt me, they offended me, they, they said this. And I'm, if I really get into God's presence... God will speak back to me and say, I know how you feel. I was hurt. I was lied upon. I was cheated on. I was betrayed. And I still love them, son. I still love them, God. When you get into God's presence, you begin to see. I'm not the first one to experience these things. And if he can over if he has overcome the world, and he is in me, then I can overcome the world. I can make it. I can forgive. I can be gentle. I can love without reservation. God can help me. Psalms 8 and 3 through 4 says, When I consider thy heavens, talking about, explaining what we just talked about. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? It began to give David proper perspective in the presence of the Lord. When I consider the heavens and the works of thy hands, the sun, the moon, and stars, then I see little old Nathaniel Caleb Kennedy. I can make it. I mean, I make things in my life. I make mountains out of molehills, as, as we say. And this situation is different. And I don't, I, I, this, is, this is me though. And we can get so insular in looking at ourselves. But when we begin to get into God's presence and we consider the heaven and the moon and the stars and the greatness of God, we can look back and say, I just gotta get over this. I gotta ask the Lord to help me. I, I can make it. This is nothing for the Lord. God can help me with this. God can give me the grace. Isaiah was overwhelmed by what he saw in the presence of the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 6, in the year that King Isaiah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, and each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. 
Isaiah sees this. He's in the presence of the Lord. He sees the Lord upon the throne, high lifted up. And he sees angels flying around saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house is filled with smoke. And then Isaiah says these words. Then said I, woe is me. For I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So maybe you're dealing with something here tonight. Whatever it is. And you're seeing your problem. You're seeing the hurt. You're seeing the disagreement. You're seeing the strife. When what you really need to be seeing is not those things. But you need to see the Lord. Right. God, help me to see you tonight. If I can but put my eyes upon the Lord. God, if you could just lift me up and reveal to me the glory of the Lord one more time. The glory of the Lord that I saw when I first came to an apostolic altar and I didn't see the faults, I didn't see the inconsistencies of those around me, but what I saw was the glory of the Lord. And when I looked upon His glory, when I, when I looked upon His face, I realized that God can do anything, including with my own life. And my issues, God could take care of it because I looked up. Amen. The writer says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, the maker of heaven and of earth. He will not suffer my foot to be moved. He that keepeth me will not slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. But there has to be in the process of living for God a place where you stop looking at the problem and you stop looking at the disagreement and you stop looking at the strife and your eyes are fixated upon the glory of the Lord. And it's when your eyes are looking upon Jesus that you find it's easy to forgive. It's easy to forgive. It's easy for God to heal and for God to touch my weary heart because by looking upon him I see what perfection looks like by looking up see the problem is we too much look horizontal and we can size up everybody in this place and we can see all the imperfections But we're in an imperfect world. And if all you're looking at is imperfection number one, imperfection number two, imperfection number three, imperfection number four, imperfection number five, and you'll go down the line. If that's all we see, we begin to go after what we see. I've expressed to you before when I have snowboarded, and if I wanted to go left, and my face him like this, all I gotta do is look left and my feet will follow. And I'll go left. If I wanna go right, my feet will follow. What you're looking at is gonna determine where you're going in life. And if all you're seeing is imperfections in the people of God, you're gonna be frustrated, you're gonna be angry, you're gonna be confused. But if for a moment in time, in a moment of prayer, you can look up. Yes. God, I know I'm not what I need to be. But as my eyes are upon you, God, I see what your perfect will is for my life. And I see a plan of perfection for my life. And I'll reach for that, God. I'll reach for that. And I'm going to allow the Lord to lift me up. And as he lifts up my gaze and lifts me up in a time of prayer, I don't have time to fight. I don't have time to squabble. I don't have time to get offended. I just want to be like Jesus. One of my prayers early on in my life growing up was, God, help me to please you. 
Jesus, just help me to please you. Help me to live my life in such a way that brings you glory. And it would take me to the point, Sade, in times of school, and I, I kid you not, I'm not exaggerating. There were times I'd be in the classroom, and we had, uh, we all sat around the perimeter of the classroom, and there was these dividers that we had to prevent us from talking to our neighbor or looking over at Chigi and whatnot. And we had a little divider, you know, we had a little place where we had our desk. There are several, many times that I, I had to get up from the classroom and go walk to the bathroom, find a bathroom stall, and just cry in the presence of the Lord. Because God was moving my life. And God will do that for some of you in school. If you allow the Lord to work in your lives, you say, God, help me to be what you want me to be. There were many other times Brother Josh and I would take off our lunch break and go to the chapel. And spend our lunch break on our knees before the Lord. Saying, God, help me to be what you want me to be. Let my life go in the right direction. And God helped us. God worked in our lives. And it's in his presence that our vision is clarified. It's in, our, it's in his presence that we see what we should be looking at. Yes. Yes. And God helps us to get from where we are yes. to where we need to be. In John's vision in the Revelation, he beheld several instances of humility before the Lord. In Revelation chapter 4 and verse 10, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Revelation chapter 7 verse number 11 says, And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. As, his, as John the Revelator's eyes began to be fixed upon the Lord, he began to worship the Lord, and he began to forget about all the problems that he faced back on the Isle of Patmos. He forgot about that dirty, rotten dungeon jail cell that he was, he was riding in, that he was praying in because he was swept up and God began to reveal things to him. But if he had not put his eyes upon the Lord, and if he only put his eyes upon that, that dirty dungeon, he might have missed out on some great revelations and things that God wanted to teach him, that God could only teach him in a dirty dungeon. There are some things that God can only teach you in a moment of being downtrodden, in a moment of being in a dark, depressed jail cell, but your eyes begin to be lifted up, and you begin to see the glory of the Lord, and you begin to realize that God is bigger than my circumstances. God's bigger than the things I'm dealing with. The God of heaven, He's still on the throne. He's still in charge. And when I beheld His glory, when I begin to see the heavens and the earth, I realize He did it all with one word. He did it all, amen, at the power of His word. And if God can still speak a word into my life, there will be peace there will be order in my life. Secondly, we must, and I'm coming to a close. Secondly, we must put it into practice with people. Every day we are given the opportunity to interact with people. Titus chapter 3 and verse 1 says, Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. To speak evil of no man. To be no brawlers. But gentle. Showing all meekness unto all men. In Titus 3 there is. Threads. Of submission. And authority. To God ordained. Order. In the church. 
in the world. There's being subject to principalities and powers. And there's to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. From these verses, we find that God expects us to approach everyone. Regardless of stature or position with gentleness. Everyone with gentleness. And this is something that we probably all, if we're honest, can work on. Being gentle unto those people that have no control of our lives. Those people that society disregards. We can be gentle to them. We can be sweet. We can be the people of God. Amen. True gentleness is submissive. It is obedient. It's able to follow orders, directions, guidelines. True gentleness does good works. True gentleness speaks positive. And true gentleness is not contentious. There's not contentiousness in a gentle person's Life. Someone that is contentious always wants to find a disagreement. Someone that is gentle is looking, how can I help this person be a blessing? And how can I communicate in such a way and, and move in such a way that portrays that gentleness where it's not just verbal, but it's also how I conduct myself and carry myself and my approach. Colossians 3 and 12 says, put on therefore, we read this a moment ago, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness. From that passage, we learn several things about expressing gentleness to people. We must actively put it on. It says, put on therefore, as the elect of God. We are to always take the high road and be long-suffering and be patient and be humble and be forgiving. The children of God should take the high road. It is the life that we live before the Lord that if somebody says something against us, we would lash out and argue and fight. And we would attack them. You attack me, so I'll attack you back. And not take the high road and understand the reason behind it. I'm going to love, I'm going to be gentle. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to allow the Lord to be displayed through my life. And when we do, when we behave in a gentle way, we prove ourselves to be part of that, as Colossians says, the holy and elect of God. And thirdly and finally, we must allow the Spirit to work through us. Philippians 2 and 5 says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. We are instructed to be like-minded with Christ. When we are like-minded, our actions become the same actions that Jesus would have taken. And we see his gentleness as he held children when he was here on earth. The Bible says that uh, the, the children began to approach the Lord. And the disciples said, send them away. We don't want these kids around here. We're trying to have some adult discussions. We don't, we don't want to be uh, pestered by the kids and all of their stuff. And the, and the Lord began to bless the children. He began to bless the children. And he expressed gentleness as he held the children. And when he fed the multitudes. And when he conversed with the woman at the well. And when he prepared bread and fish for his disciples and so on and so forth. Those acts were performed out of a life of genuine gentleness as an example to all of us. How we're to live our lives. How we're to live our lives. Some of us would have got frustrated with Jesus. Because we want to ask him direct questions. And he's... He doesn't skirt the issue, but he addresses the real issue. People would ask him questions, and he wouldn't answer them directly. He would ask them a question. And sometimes we get bothered when we don't have all of our questions answered. We think, I have to have all of the answers so I can operate. There is a level of trust in leadership, of trust. You know what? The Lord said... Take these five loaves and two fishes and feed the people. The Lord said, do it. 
But I'm looking around, there's like thousands of people here. And I, you know, I don't want to embarrass the Lord, so I'll, I'll override that decision. And I'll miss out on the blessing and a miracle. But it's gentleness is being obedient. And say, okay, God. I'm looking down, I'm taking the loaves and fishes. Here we go, Lord. And we're looking at him. And it's being multiplied. And God's blessing it. Because we're obedient. And we're following his direction. And God blesses it. I'm going to close with this. If you stand with me. And I'm going to skip some of my notes here tonight. In his book. Be a people person. John Maxwell tells a story. He says, Mr. Myrick had to go to Chicago on business. And he persuaded his brother to take care of his cat during his absence. It's a little bit of the humor story. He says, though he hated cats, the brother agreed. And upon his return, Myrick called from the airport to check on the cat. The response he got from his brother, three words, your cat died. Then the brother hung up the phone. Pretty harsh, not very gentle. Myrick was inconsolable. His grief was magnified by his brother's insensitivity. So he called again to express his pain. He said to his brother, there was no need for you to be so blunt. And his brother perplexingly asked the question, what was I supposed to say? You could have broken the news gradually, explained Myrick. You could have said the cat was playing on the roof. Then later in the conversation, you could have said he fell off the roof. Then you could have said he broke his leg. Then when I came to pick him up, you could have said, I'm so sorry. Your cat passed away during the night. You've got to learn to be more tactful. By the way, how's mom? After a long pause, the brother replied, she's playing on the roof. (laughs) What we take away from this tonight, let's be gentle. Let's love one another. Let's allow the Lord to be revealed through our lives. Let's be models of Christian character in our world. Amen. God bless your dismiss in Jesus' name. Turn around, shake someone's hand, hug a neck. Amen. God bless you in Jesus' name.